Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Alongside, uh, we've all been waiting. I know that people love listening to the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, because he's obviously back tonight because Giannis was also back tonight. That's the way that this thing works. Before we talk about Giannis and the Bucks beating the Atlanta Hawks tonight, I'll remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. And the Bucks did beat the Hawks 120 to 109. And I tweeted very late in this game that uh, I'm working on a theory, Frank, that the Bucks are a better team when they have Giannis and also PJ Tucker in the lineup. And clearly I'm having a little bit of a laugh there. But uh, let's be honest, this was the longest stretch in Giannis' career that he missed. I think that... I think it's safe to assume that they were being a little bit careful, but it wasn't nothing. It wasn't completely insignificant. So to see him out there tonight, moving freely, yes, he was under a minute's restriction, but more than anything, it was good to just see him out on the court and playing uh, at least uh, as aggressively as we have come to expect. Yeah, not a banner night, um, but he had a quick start. So at least that, yeah. that probably allayed our our initial sort of anxiety um hit uh, three three shots pretty pretty early and um you know went to the bench with six and change left in both the first and third quarters i i don't think he played more than a like five minute five or six minute stretch at any point in this game so obviously they were managing his minutes and you know hopefully that's just a short-term thing and not something that they'll have to do for any sort of, you know, period here. Um, but yeah, I mean, he looked okay. Um, you know, this was a, he got Jake, he got Jay Crowder tonight by Solomon Hill who outscored him just by basically standing around on the perimeter and waiting for Giannis to leave him alone. Um, Hill hit six out of eight threes to finish with 18 points, but, uh, yeah, good to see him back. And, um, you know, overall the fact that you didn't get a, a banner night from Giannis, um, or or Chris Middleton, who was four out of fourteen, just sort of struggled to get his shot going at nine rebounds, seven assists, including a couple of like back to back touchdown pass uh, assists to uh, Giannis and and Chris and uh, Drew. I think it was. Um, I think it was in the third quarter. He like those were like two, like two consecutive like three quarter court passes. I think. Um, but other than that, you know, quiet night for Chris. He had just ten points. Giannis fifteen points. Um, but other guys stepping up is. Uh, obviously we've needed to see for, for a while, uh, in Drew Holiday, 20, I mean, he, Drew Holiday, I would say the, the player of this game for, for what happened on both, uh, both offense and defense, 23 points on 17 shots, seven assists, and some really good defense on Trey Young, who was returning from an injury as well, but, um, struggled mightily. And, uh, I think safe to say Drew, Drew, Drew Holiday had, had a fair bit to do with that. And, uh, overall, I think, uh, you know, a really good win for the Bucks against a Hawks team that had been playing very well and 
you know, I don't think you could have taken this for granted, the game for granted by any stretch. And so to come in and, um, you know, not dominate, but uh, Bucks led for double digits for large portions of this game. And, you know, the fact that they were able to close it out without too much anxiety. I was getting, I was with Giannis on the bench. I was a little bit like, oh God, are we, are we going to do this again, guys? Where, you know, the Bucks go cold down the stretch, but thankfully they did not and um, come away with a, a needed and encouraging win in Atlanta. Well, they were able to do that because I think they picked up uh, 7,000 consecutive offensive rebounds on a couple of possessions down the stretch, which pretty much snuffed out any chance of the Hawks bouncing back into this one. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Giannis, we knew coming in there was a minutes restriction, as is uh, typically the case. And our friend Eric Name always laments the fact that he never gets exact info in regards to the minutes restriction. But but did reveal post-game that that 25 minutes was at the upper limit. And if that's, if that's the way they're going to play this down the stretch, then I'm totally fine with that. The other guy that returned to the lineup, and I was at least a little bit surprised that he played tonight, was P.J. Tucker. But it's interesting to me because for him to play in a back-to-back, again, we, we've speculated because we just don't get a lot of info from the Bucks in regards to injuries, but we speculated that we think that they're playing the long game with P.J. Tucker and just not willing to take any risks. So the fact that he played in a back-to-back tells me that yeah, maybe he's been close to playing or at least probably uh, able to play for a few games here, the fact that they would stretch him out. But he knocked down a couple of corner threes. He even hit a two-pointer. He hit a hook shot. Chris Webber, I had the TNT broadcast on <laughs> over here in Australia. Uh, and I know that Chris Webber and Marvel, but they, they cop a lot of shit. And, and let's be honest, it's justified. But Chris Webber said something that I actually agree with tonight, that... He can't ever remember P.J. Tucker hitting a two-point shot. And I have to say, I agree. In fact, we've barely seen him out of the corner since he, in his uh, rare minutes in Milwaukee, but also back in Houston. So for him to hit a little hook shot was absolutely unbelievable. But again, the one thing that I noticed with P.J. Tucker, I mean, the guy's a maniac. He was diving on the floor there. There was one possession where he denied about three guys on the same defensive possession. I, I really do think we, we saw it in... Very small glimpses before he got injured. We've seen just very, very small snippets, obviously, in these couple of games that he's been back. But he does look like a guy that's pretty engaged and pretty energized right now and someone that looms as at least being an impact rotation player when uh, when the playoffs do roll around here, which is not far away, 17 games left in the regular season. I thought probably the, the, the possession that was almost the most fun was one where actually he got called for a foul where he was guarding Trey Young and, was just shadowing Trey Young from the perimeter and then Trey drove and tried to get him to bite on pump fake and it looked like PJ pretty much just caught landed short and went straight up and you know Trey Young as he often does was able to kind of file out of it but um yeah I mean I think with with PJ I think there's two things you look for right it's just his movement and mobility on the court um because you know I mean mentally he <laughs> he sees the game defensively about as well as, as you can hope for anybody to see it. He has, you know, great feet, especially for someone his size. Um, so for him to kind of look, be looking uh, immediately back, like, you know, you, you were hoping he would look um, is certainly encouraging, right? I mean, that, that's, that's what you need him for is, is to be able to play that type of defense. And, you know, for him to be playing, showing again that he can defend a guy who's, you know, a hyper quick little crafty guard, um, and we know he can guard, you know, oversized players as well. Um, just a reminder of, of his versatility defensively that they're going to need at some point uh, <laughs> in the playoffs. And so it's really just about making sure he 
can get into a little bit of rhythm and you know sort of get to know his teammates here over the past last few weeks of the season and then obviously stay healthy um and he'll be a, a fun guy to watch i think in uh in these big games coming up especially against the nets but but also the sixers just to see how the bucks uh deploy him and um yeah nice to see him out there and and for him to knock down a couple of shots also important you know i think the defense is really the most important thing with him but the three-point shooting, he, you know, has not had a banner here shooting the ball, uh, but he got a couple of those uh, preferred three-point corner looks that he has <laughs> hit more than anybody else uh, on planet Earth over the past few years. So yeah. it was good to see that. And as you said, that play where, I mean, it was one of those plays where it didn't look like he had any real shot of saving the ball from going out of bounds. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fact that he just, you know, I was like, kind of like, all right, PJ, calm down, man. Yeah, but, exactly. um, you know, it just sort of tells you everything you need to know about the way PJ Tucker plays. So, yeah, fun to see him out there. I'd say he looked, you know, more more like the guy you'd expect than than Giannis, um, who uh, obviously this was Giannis' first game back. I, you know, I never would have expected that Tucker would play in a back-to-back mm. coming back from his injury. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, now you just cross your fingers that we're not going to have to be talking about those guys managing injuries or being in and out of the lineup from here on out. All right, Frank, quick note from Built Bar now. We know the best tasting protein bar that has ever been made. I'm going to keep saying it, but I am a little bit sad that Built Bar Madness is done and dusted because I was having a hell of a lot of fun with that. But with Built Bar, we're talking about not only the best tasting protein bar, but a bar that is good for you. It's low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. They have a bunch of incredible flavors that you've heard me talk about in the past, including uh, the coconut um, and salted, ca- salted caramel mint brownie as well. So you can check them all out at builtbar.com. And we've got a great deal for you guys. All you have to do is use the code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. While we're rolling on new acquisitions for the Bucks, I know we've spoke about Jeff Teague a little bit, but it was interesting tonight because one of the things that, again, coming back to that tweet, when I talk about the rotation, it was interesting tonight because I know there was no Dante DiVincenzo who was out um, with uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich-itis, uh, as I like to call it. He, he didn't he didn't want to uh, take part in that matchup there. But we can talk about Bogdanovich a little bit later on. But he had a, a toe issue there, so he didn't play. So he was the one guy, the starter, that was out of the rotation. But it's interesting that now that you're seeing the Bucks really getting probably more than I expected out of Jeff Teague. I've got to be honest. He looks like he still has that step. He looks like he's got that little spark. He even threw down a dunk tonight. If you get PJ Tucker and Jeff Teague as guys that in positions where you're not going to ask for a huge role from Jeff Teague and he played 26 minutes tonight, like that's clearly on the high end, despite the fact the starters played pretty minimal minutes and you are missing a guard in Dante there. If he is a guy that you can get 10 minutes out of in a playoff game, 10 to 15 minutes, and PJ Tucker's the guy that you thought, then that playoff rotation, and we've spoke about the depth all season long, it just looks a whole lot more solid than it did even just a month ago before they got these guys. So it's been a really pleasant surprise. Obviously, you hope that you got it from PJ, but Teague probably more to the point 
has been a big surprise. And I, I just think overall, from a playoff perspective, and not to completely skip over this game, but I, I just think in general, it's it's been a it's been a real boost. Yeah, the, the weird thing about Teague was, I mean, Celtics fans hated him despite the fact that. He shot 46% from three. Yeah. He had a positive point differential. The Celtics are better with him on the court than off. Um, you know, he, he struggled on two-point shots. His long twos were horrendous uh, in Boston. And you can see, I mean, look, he's, he's not what he was as, you know, a 24-year-old attacking the paint. Um, and he's, he's not a big guy, right? I mean, he's not DJ Augustine small, but he's not a big guy. You, you saw it tonight even that, you know, he'll have trouble um, finishing at the rim, uh, you know, certainly at times. Um, but you know, he, he was actually pretty crafty tonight, got to the foul line for six free throws. Um, and yeah, I mean, (laughs) just looking at this game, I think, you you know, as we mentioned, probably wouldn't have felt good about the Bucks chances. If you, if I told, you know, you heard that that Chris and Giannis were going to combine for 25 points, but when you were, if if I also told you that George, uh, Jeff Teague was going to outplay, uh, uh, Trey Young, then you probably (laughs) would have felt better. Um, but yeah, I think Teague's been a, a nice surprise so far. I mean, he's continued to hit threes when he's actually willing to shoot them. He definitely doesn't have a, a quick trigger from three, which is maybe part of the reason why he's shot such a high percentage this year. He just doesn't doesn't shoot him enough. Um, but uh, you know, he's really patient. You can tell. I mean, he's a guy who's trying to sort of stay out of the way um, and and just sort of keep the ball moving and not kind of upset the apple cart and kind of you know feed the big dogs. Um, so we'll see. I mean. You know, uh, part of me is like in the playoffs, you know, you're expecting Drew, Chris, Giannis to all play 40 minutes. You're not expecting to need a lot of your backup point guard, but I think it is an interesting question. Um, you know, with Dante, I mean, Dante's hurt tonight, but let's be honest. I mean, Dante's consistency has not always been exactly mm-hmm. uh, where you want it to be. So uh, he's, you know, I think whoever you had as backup point guard in some ways was also going to be a bit of Dante insurance. Uh, in case you maybe needed to lean into those guys a little bit more than Dante, even though you know Dante's not officially the backup point guard and he's a starter, um, you know all those minutes are are somewhat fungible. And so, as you know, Dante goes or Brent Forbes goes, uh, certainly a guy like Teague could pick up some you know minutes here and there. And I, I don't think you want in any world to be to be relying on Jeff Teague to play major minutes. Um, but having a guy that you know you feel like okay he can come in and He's not going to be, you know, completely exploited defensively, and he's not going to be a, a liability offensively. And you know, he can stick the open three. Um, you know, that's pretty good for for a, a buyout uh, type of guy. And so far, I think, yeah, I mean, you just look at some of the numbers he's put up. It's it's hard to be anything but very very pleased with Jeff Teague. And you just hope, knock on wood, that he can continue to do it and do it in games that that really matter. Well, now we all just have to sit back and wait until the Joe Johnson show arrives in Milwaukee as well. So it's it's just unbelievable times if you're a Bucks fan at the moment. Man, I was I was I don't know if you guys <laughs> talked about it the other day. I was really hoping we could just never talk about that and not <laughs> give it you know the, the 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 legitimacy of being talked about. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I guess, who what what was the other wait? What was the Brandon other thing? Knight. We did we Brandon completely Knight, ignored yeah, Brandon yeah. Knight, and yeah, I did yeah, reference that. that. Yeah, I, I referenced the fact that we completely ignored Brandon Knight. And just by ignoring it, I mean, it eventually obviously disappeared, which we knew was going to be the case. I suspect that Joe Johnson is going to be the same. I did mention it kind of in a joking manner with Justin the other night on the show. Uh, he's a 40-year-old man. And it was funny. <laughs> it was funny. On you the know team. who else is a 40-year-old man? 
it's not you. Me. You? Yeah, yeah, true, <laughs> yeah, Frank. I turned but, 40 like a month ago. Yeah, so. that, that's fine. But if Joe Johnson was like possibly joining his podcast. It's yeah, a, it's a good podcasting age. It's not so good for playing NBA basketball. That, yeah. That's true. That's if Joe Johnson wants to jump in when you can't podcast with me, then I'm all for it. But I'm not yeah. asking Frank Madden to play 15 minutes on the Milwaukee no. Bucks either. So, no. you know, it's a bit of a no. game there. But yeah, we're pretty much we're pretty much the same <laughs> as basketball players at this point. Um, yeah, I don't. I What was the weird comment from from like like Marv brings up Joe Johnson as though it's like a thing. And then C-Web eventually is, is like, oh, well, you're not a title contender if you're talking about signing 40-year-old guys. It's like, all right, dude, what, why are you guys – why did you just spend two minutes talking about Joe Johnson like in the first place? But anyway. Well, um, he got really yeah, defensive I, I about it. He's like, sorry. He's like, sorry. It's just how I feel. If you're, if you're signing 40-year-olds, you, you're not a championship contender. It's like, okay, Chris Webber, no one asked you. Chris, Chris Roberts is so bad. I used to like him as a player too, but he's just so terrible as a, as an announcer. And I, see the thing is I don't have as, I, I, as a kid who grew up on nineties NBA in on NBA and NBC, like I still have a real soft spot for Marv. Um, I, I fully acknowledge he's totally like over the hill past his prime and all that. Um, but I, I, I feel like if he was with a good <laughs> color commentator, it would, that you wouldn't really notice Marv that much, but just like him with Weber, it's just like, ugh, it's just such a brutal combination. But anyway, by the way, fun, fun Jeff Teague stat. Jeff Teague has more dunks this year than Eric Bledsoe. Sorry, Blood. I hate to, I hate to make fun of Eric Bledsoe, but he has no dunks this year. Jeff Teague now has one. So they're both chasing Sam Merrill though. Sam Merrill with two. So. Poor old Eric Bledsoe. He's, uh, I know he listens to this podcast and he just wants to go one day where he's he doesn't have to he doesn't have to cop shade from the hosts of Locked On Bucks. So it's unfortunate for him. But uh, Jeff Teague, it was an impressive dunk. Baseline cut, two hander, pulled himself up on the rim a little bit, hung there. It was nice. It was a nice little explosion. Uh, That's the old he, trick. That's the old trick. You got to pull yourself up to make it look like you jumped higher. You know. What about That's what I always did when I was dunking. When I was dunking at the Y, <laughs> I was just, I was just gonna I was gonna mention the Y. How do you know? But anyway, whatever. I, I was gonna let it slide. So you're a 40 year old man, as you said. So I'm not here to um, I'm not here to bring back memories of your athletic days. <laughs> what about Brooke Lopez? Because I, I spoke about Brooke a fair bit on yesterday's pod when I went solo. But there's no doubt that he's offensive output has clearly gone up. Now, I, I did acknowledge that I, I think a big part of that has been the fact that obviously Giannis has missed some games and that allows him to be sometimes in positions that he, he wouldn't normally be in. But even rebounding the ball, I mean, 12 rebounds for Brook Lopez. I mean, for him on any given night to get 10 rebounds is pretty rare. I mean, he's not a big rebounding player. We know what he does in terms of boxing out and allowing Giannis in particular to rack up those big rebounding numbers for sure. But he, he's just been playing really damn solid basketball since the All-Star break. Like there's, there's no other way to put it. Defensively, he looks spry. Offensively, he, he looks aggressive. He's looking for touches. He's looking to score uh, in other ways outside of the three-point line. Um, I, I went on about him a lot. But, but what are you seeing from Brook Lopez here in, in the last couple of weeks and also tonight where he was a big factor, particularly in the first half? All right, let's talk a bit about our friends at betonline.ag, Frank, which we know is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football's done, but we've got basketball, we've got baseball, we've got hockey. WNBA draft was tonight as well, so you'll be able to keep an eye on that. BetOnline gives you the real-time updated odds on props on almost anything you can imagine. 
Just head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, make sure you use the promo code locked on there. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. They've got scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and uh, they're still wrapping up the coverage of March Madness. This is four days a week, and you'll hear from credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because I think I mentioned this um, at some point recently that his three-point attempt rate has not really come down. Like, it actually wasn't that high last year either. And I'm looking at his splits right now. He's not taking, like, a lot like a, like a lot fewer threes, like, post-All-Star break or something like that than he was before. He's, he's still averaging about four threes. And, I mean, tonight, obviously, made what? I don't know. Did he make three of them tonight or two or three of them? Three for um, Yeah. Um, but interesting, I mean, post-All-Star break, he's only shooting 32% from three. He was actually was better before the All-Star break. But over 50% from the field, 62% true shooting, 13 points per game. In April, he's up to almost 15 points a game, probably over that now when you factor in the, the points tonight. And sev- over 70% true shooting in April. So of late, he's been particularly good. And I agree. I think you know Giannis being out um, puts Brooke, I think, into more pick and rolls. It has him rolling to the rim more. Um, you know, I will say this. I, I, I think as a post player um, – it feels like he has not really, especially this year, like his, his, his points per possession numbers and, and the posts are down this year. Um, and it feels like it's it, like he, he doesn't, he settles for jump shots more <laughs> now than it feels like he's done in the past. Like it's felt like used used to be, he would get a small guy on him and he would really like attack, go to the rim. And it feels like this year he's, he's letting even smaller guys kind of, get under him a little bit and, and kind of push him away from the basket, which again, you don't notice that much because he's not actually posting up a lot either way. But, um, you know, it's not like he's, it's not like it's like vintage Brooke Lopez exactly, but there definitely is more variety. And, you know, he's a really skilled guy when he's getting the ball, you know, around the basket. It could be obviously in different ways. So, um, so yeah, I, I think it's been fun watching him, um, you know, play at a high level and, um, you know, he's, he's definitely been somebody that has stepped up with, with Giannis out. And, um, you know, I, I think, again, there's going to be times where he shouldn't be on the floor because of matchups. But, you know, again, it's not like Brooke is, you know, paid or expected to be a 35-minute-per-game type of guy. And if he gives you 25 good minutes most nights, um, that's, that's kind of what you hope for. And then certain matchups, you hope that P.J. Tucker is healthy. You hope that Giannis is healthy. You hope that you can give some different looks and, and adapt as needed. But um, certainly he's been very good of late. And, you know, we talk about the Bucks sort of maybe not, I wouldn't say they've been thriving without Giannis, but um, at least surviving. I think Brooke's been, been a big part of that story. And um, again, just thinking of the, the looking ahead, you just hope he stays healthy and um, continues to feel pretty good and find different ways to help the team. It was interesting in the post game uh, interview that he had with the TNT crew and, he was mentioning Drew Holiday and PJ Tucker and the toughness that he thinks they're going to bring to this team that they, um, well, this is what he said, that he thinks they haven't had in the past. I've certainly agreed with that. I think that they've got an added, uh, a bit of grunt, I would say, on the roster this year with those two guys in particular. When you think about what happened last year with a guy like Jimmy Butler that just honestly just seemed to look like he was just playing harder and wanted it a little bit more a lot of the times. 
I don't think it's going to be the case. But it was it was just funny to hear Brook Lopez so complimentary of PJ Tucker. And obviously he's going to be. But as you sort of pointed to, they do have other options now where they might go away from Brook a little bit. Uh, but he's been playing pretty good basketball. I guess we should talk about Bogdanovich. He was the top scorer on the floor tonight. 28 points, 10 for 20 from the field, 6 for 12 from three. Six rebounds as well and seven assists and zero turnovers. I mean, he had some nice passes as well. He was really controlling the offense for a, a lot of the night for the Hawks because Trey Young was so off. And clearly, he's always going to be a guy that, certainly for now and maybe the next few years, Bucks fans are going to talk about as a guy that we thought we had. I've referenced the podcast I did with the Lockdown Kings, uh, Matt George. It's, it's still up there, one of the great podcasts, talking about what Bogdan, Bogdanovich is going to bring to the Bucks. But it is, fun, it is funny to me, the, the discourse that you do see on Twitter, only for the sole reason that I think that you can be pissed off with the fact that the Bucks don't have Bogdanovich. Like, that's fine, because I do think he's a very good player. There's no doubt about that. You can also question the role and the opportunity and the volume that he would get as the fifth starter on this team. Sure, they're all valid arguments. But the one thing that I don't really do is compare Dante to Bogdan Bogdanovich. I mean, they tried to trade Dante like it's like i don't know why that's the comparison because it's like yeah he's a better player like that's why they tried to trade him isn't it like am i wrong for feeling this way like when people compare players i'm like why are you doing that yeah i mean usually it you know usually when you do these sorts of things it's because you know the guy got traded and you know you're pissed off at the front office for not not keeping the guy or the coach for not using the guy correctly or whatever it might be. But, but it is very strange with Bogdanovich because, you know, I mean, again, I, I, I don't know that we'll ever have the complete story. I, yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I, I am, uh, I would say I don't, I, I, I sh- would shy away from giving the Bucks front office credit for a lot of things. Um, I also don't really hold them too responsible for, for what happened there um, with, with Bogdanovich. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It's just a weird, it's just a weird kind of situation. And I agree. I mean, you know, Bogdan's a better player. Um, I think especially kind of seeing from Dante this year, I, I haven't really been, you know, I, I think the one argument you would have made was, well, can Dante be a better like defensive player than, than Bogdan? You'd say probably. Right. Um, and then you're going to give up stuff on the offensive end, but I think that's the area where I, and I haven't watched Bogdanovich in, in Atlanta really, so I'm not going to pretend to know what his defense has been like. He, I mean, he struggled really mightily to start the year, got hurt. He's been shooting the ball really well of late, but, um, but I, I always kind of got viewed him as kind of a scrappy defender, if not a good defender. Uh, but I would say I've, I've been kind of disappointed in Dante's defense for much of this year. Um, and, I, I, you know, especially when you think about them wanting to be switchable and, and be able to, be multi-position defenders. Obviously, you think about that potential closing lineup, right? I mean, Dante is is the obvious guy that you know. If LeBron James, if you're playing the, the Lakers and LeBron is the ball, well, which guy are you trying to hunt, right? If you've got Giannis, PJ Tucker, Drew Holiday, and Chris Milton on the floor with Dante, well, you know, <laughs> process of elimination. <laughs> you know, you know what kind of what they're doing. And I, to be to be fair too, I think they've shown like Dante's shown he can do kind of like hedge and recover type stuff because he's quick. So he, he doesn't necessarily have to just, you know, even if you're switching other actions, you can potentially not have to switch Dante um, in situations like that and maybe get away with it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I totally agree. I mean, Bogdan's a better player. He's older too. So of course, 
you know, there's some trade off there. Um, and he's paid way more. Uh, and I would say, hopefully he will continue to be paid way more regardless of what Dante's next contract <laughs> looks like. Uh, but, but yeah, Bogdan's good. He was good tonight. Um, and, uh, who knows if if there's some future where he ends up in Milwaukee? I would I would welcome that. Yeah, and and to be clear, when I say that, and when well when we both say that, I don't want to speak for you, Frank, but you tinted to some of the stuff with Dante that we, you know, hope continues to improve. But he's a third year player, and when you talk about the improvements that we wanted to see from him, yes, he's a streaky shooter. He's a little bit inconsistent, but he's taken another big jump in terms of raw percentages this season as well they're just in different stages of their career I mean Bogdanovich has been a professional for a long long time even before he came to the NBA as you pointed to he's four years older than Dante so they're just at different stages as well I just don't think that overall it's really a fair comparison I I think that and I don't have too much more from this game but I do feel like we probably have overlooked Drew Holiday just a little bit in terms of, I know you pointed to, he was probably the player of the night offensively and defensively, 23 points, and the job he did on Trey Young. But again, to me, it's the point of difference with this team this year compared to years gone by because the Hawks have been playing really well. And I know there was no Gallinari, there was no John Collins as well, but they are a team that has been streaking since Nate McMillan took over. You're on the second night of a back-to-back on the road, and I'm just not sure the Bucks find a way to win a game like this last year even. And you can say, well, sure, they won just about every game in the regular season. But with Chris Middleton down, with Giannis on that minutes restriction and not having the night he did, we've said it all year, but just having Drew Holiday there, that guy on both ends of the floor, his ability to not only score but distribute, take the ball handling responsibility on a night where Giannis is, again, only playing 24 minutes. It's just, it's just such a different look for this team when you have a guy like Holiday. Yeah, and I mean, there, there's times where, you know, Drew's trying to initiate and, you know, he has an awkward uh, misadventure trying to get to the basket. I mean, yeah. there's times where it's like he, you know, he's normally under control and, and you, I think we've seen there, there are limits to that. Like, you can't just always dribble in and get easy baskets. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's a reason why this is a guy who, you know, doesn't average 20 points per game uh, uh, each year or ever. Um, but uh, it, it's been it's been fun watching him be able to decide like, hey, I've got, you know, usually he's got a guy on him that he can kind of back down and get to the point where he can get a good look on. And when he gets switches on him, you know, he can often get that defender kind of leaning back a little bit and get to somewhere in the lane and you know be able to get a, a pretty good look at a 10, 10 to 12 foot step back jump or something like that. So, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of different. You know, Bledsoe was was had shot creating abilities, but it wasn't like he could just always get a shot he could make. Right. Um, he was a guy who selectively could just blow by people. I mean, just blow by guys, get easy layups, but you know, especially in the playoffs, you're going to find it harder to just blow by guys and, and get, you know, uh, you know, to the rim with ease. And with Drew, it just feels like he can get, shots that he can make more consistently than somebody like blood could. And then that's obviously just a huge, a huge advantage to have is, you know, uh, whatever, whether it's, he's the second option, third option, whatever you want to call him. Um, you know, it's just a real huge benefit to have. And he's obviously a good passer. And, um, yeah, he was, he was fun to watch tonight. Um, you know, defensively, um, you know, again, defensively, I think, um, 
you know, Trey Young missed a lot of floaters tonight that he's going to make some more of on, on a normal night. You know, he's coming back from injury as well. Um, he really literally like, I mean, Chris Weber referred to them as layups. At one point I was like, okay, dude, like an eight to 10 foot floater is not a layup in the NBA. Like I, I had been in the impression he played in this league. Um, but Trey Young's very good at, in that range. I mean, he's 46% from three to 10 feet. That's really good. Um, he's good at floaters, but that's not an easy shot. It's still a relatively low percentage, you know, or low expected value shot in the grand scheme of the NBA. Um, and he missed a bunch of them, give drew a ton of credit for the pressure he created. Um, I mean, to me, the biggest stat was Trey Young only attempting three threes mm-hmm. exactly. and missing all three of them. Um, there was one play, I think it was really in the third where drew kind of like just sort of stopped and like almost, it seemed like let, Trey Young walk into an open three where I was like, okay, Drew, what the hell was that? Yeah, step to the left. Beyond, yeah, beyond that, um, you know, Drew was really good. And just, you know, his size and physicality and the fact that he doesn't have to, you know, jump, go for, uh, jump and go for Trey Young's pump takes and stuff like that, I think is just um, a huge advantage. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think the, the way that the Bucks showed bodies and, you know, he, he did, I thought Trey did a good job, like getting guys some easy shots, um, early, you know, I think he found Capella a few times in the first quarter or so. Um, but they kind of contained that as the night went on. He still had nine assists, but six turnovers, right? I mean, Hey, if you want to have nine assists, but six turnovers, like go right ahead. Right. That's, that's a, a trade you'll, you'll happily make. And, um, you know, it, it was just a, again, just a very impressive performance. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I, I, I I'm I'm very curious if if Drew will finally make all defensive first team this year. Um, I I'd be really surprised if he doesn't make one of the all defensive teams because he's finally playing for you know a good team. And as much as people you know we've we've I think understandably been been concerned about the Bucks defense because obviously it's been much worse than it was a year ago. You know I just brought up the NBA.com page. Right now they're fifth in offense and sixth in defense. So, Listen, Frank, uh, let me just say quickly about this six because when I said the other week that they were eighth or I tweeted it out and I know you brought it up on the pod, a lot of people were like, this is unbelievable. And sometimes I wonder if other people are watching other NBA games because this, this is the NBA right now. I know the Bucks haven't been perfect, but it's pretty hard to defend right now. In most NBA yeah. games, there is a shit ton of open threes. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And... um I, I think it's it's just you know it's just one of those things that, and I think especially in the playoffs like you know it's it's not going to be about can you just completely take away everything it's never been about that it's definitely not about that in the NBA right now it's just going to be can you take can you take away things you can control and then hope you just don't get really unlucky on <laughs> especially on threes um, I thought the Bucks had some breakdowns tonight um, mm-hmm. you know I forget was it in the third quarter I forget when it was but there was one play where I think Drew and Chris completely miscommunicated on a, on a switch and Bogdanovich ended up getting just a wide open three out of it. Um, you know, there were definitely some, some moments like that, but um, you know, overall, you know, Bucks gave up a decent number of threes for sure. Um, but uh, you know, they took away a lot of, a lot of the other stuff. And uh, again, if, if you're forcing Trey Young to just live on floaters, um, that's, that's not a bad place to be. Yeah, there was definitely a few breakdowns. And we would like to think, I guess, coming into the playoffs that they would have ironed all those out. But the reality is they are still bringing guys back into the team. The guys haven't been able to practice as as much the last couple of weeks because clearly they've been pretty banged up. Probably the defensive breakdowns. This is the last one for me. Just one possession that stood out to me that I was like, come on, guys, can we, can we really stop doing this? I mean, we've spoke about 
overhelping significantly all season. But there was one possession, again, I think it was in the third quarter, you might remember this, where Kevin Herter had the ball and Giannis is defending him. And he dribbled to around the three-point line. He realized he couldn't get a shot. So he picked up his dribble and Giannis is standing in front of him. So he really has nowhere to go. And Chris, I, he, he was trying to help, I guess, but there was really no need to help because Giannis is right there. There was nothing he could do. Chris took a couple steps in towards Herder and then he just passed it directly to Solomon Hill who knocked down one of his six threes. And it was like, well, those are the types of ones. Like if it's Giannis defending a guy one-on-one and he forces him to pick up his dribble, like don't let them get away with, a, with an open three. You know, I mean, those are the ones to me that you can get away with not giving up those types of looks. Yeah, and again, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to, you know, try to make broad sweeping judgments about a team's defense sort of game to game. I think you yeah. just you just sort of have to look at it in the aggregate, and that's why I always sort of, you know, just come back to, okay, what are we seeing? What are we seeing about them in terms of how they play and who they're playing and, you know, thinking about how that matchup-wise will or won't work in, in the future and in the playoffs. And then, you know, you look at sort of those aggregate numbers just to as a way of saying, like, hey, is it working, right? Um, and I'd say, obviously, um, it, it certainly has, especially to, to better effect, um, you know, of late since, since the start of the season. But as you said, nobody's, nobody is locking down uh, teams really consistently right now. Um, that's just a really hard thing to do to kind of take away everything. So, um, you know, I think, I think the real test obviously will be, you know, these games against Philly and Brooklyn and, you know, how do they look defensively and do they have, um, the ability, you know, especially um, against Brooklyn, right? If if we get to those crunch time situations, how do they match up with Brooklyn? And um, you know, does does do we see that all switching lineup? If not, you know, what are they doing? And and is it, you know, effectively limiting the other team from getting good looks? And you know, whatever. Like if Kyrie and James Harden and KD are hitting impossible shots, and you know, you just sort of tip your hat and just say, well, guess we're not winning a championship. <laughs> But, you know, uh, but uh, we'll see. I mean, that's, that's obviously, the, I think the thing at this point you got to have circled in your calendar is those, those two, um, two game sets against those two teams. Cause I think that's certainly the only thing that, that could really change the Bucks seating at this point, especially on a night when they just beat the team that's nominally right behind them in the standings. Um, and um, we'll, we'll, we'll have those to look forward to here over the next few weeks. Yeah. Not that there were any, in any real danger of dropping to the four seed. But five and a half games clear of the Hawks now. Uh, two games behind the Nets in the two seed and three games behind the Sixers for the one seed. As you mentioned, some big games coming up. And before that, I mean, it's a huge week. They'll be at home hosting the Grizzlies, uh, who are, you know, old friend Taylor Jenkins, always a difficult team. And then they've got the Phoenix Suns as well. So, yeah, there's some big games coming up here uh, for the Bucks if they wanted any chance of moving up. But just in general, to get a good feel for the rotation, the way they're going to play, the way they're going to defend, it should be really fun the last couple of weeks of the regular season here. Uh, we certainly hope so. Anyway, I think uh, tomorrow, still Friday night, my plan is 8 p.m. I'm still going to do a live uh, pod over on the locker room app. I, I, I can't guarantee whether Frank's going to be there. That's pretty early for him, uh, 8 p.m. He'll be he's probably still being a father at that point, but I'm going to be there at 8 p.m. on the locker room app. You guys know where to find me there. And Frank, if you don't join me, uh, I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Thank you, sir. I hope. Uh... I hope we don't spend the next, uh, well, the next any any time any time over the next few weeks talking about Giannis injuries anymore. <laughs> yes. But um, hopefully, we're we're on the other side of, of those discussions. But um, yeah, hope people have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you guys soon.